So first off, uh, thank you for joining us for our first ever Loden Sports Outlier session. My name is Matt Pajak. I'm co-founder of Loden Sports and uh, joined alongside by DC Arendis of The Greatest Champion. Um, we're excited to bring you this series over the course of the next five weeks. We have a number of exciting guests lined up. Let's take a look at our upcoming lineup, which we've posted in our blog, and set those calendar reminders so you can join us right here in our Discord to learn from and interact with our friends. Uh, you may be wondering what exactly we're doing here. So, of course, here's a brief plug of what our business is. Load in Sports is the affordable human performance data provider. We use non-exclusive objective athletic evaluations for the purposes of tracking athletic development, informing athlete health, and identifying outliers. Our evaluations are non-sport, gender, skill level, or age specific. They are for anyone and everyone, just like these outlier sessions. If you're interested in learning more or getting in touch, visit our website at loadinsports.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at loadinsports and read our blog, which is also available through our website. The Outlier Sessions have been created as a way to bridge the gap and create a connection between the aspiring, which are the young athletes, and the achieving, which in this case would be Corbin Carroll. Um, all of our guests have a niche at the highest levels of baseball and are an outlier in their own right. And we want to take some time to talk about long-term athlete development, LTAD, in the context of their experiences, their processes for taking care of themselves, and get to know a little bit more about their personal interests as well. We want you to get to know our guests, pretty much. Uh, with all that being said, we know there are so many other ways you could be spending your time, and we want to thank you for being here with us. We hope you enjoy the Outlier Sessions. We hope you find value in them. We hope you're able to take something you learn and apply it in your life. This session will be broken up into two parts. For the first part, we have a series of questions for our guests. And for the second part, we'll invite you all to enjoy or to join in on the conversation. Um, and when we get there, we'll walk you through exactly how to do that. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce the pride and joy of Seattle's Lakeside School. 16th overall pick in the 2019 MLB Draft by the Diamondbacks. Top prospect in the game today and an overall exceptional human being. So no better way to kick this off, Corbin Carroll. Thank you for finding some time this evening to join us. Thank you. And thank you guys all for uh, for tuning in. Sweet. So do you want to just start off um, and provide a little background on yourself? You know, how old you are, where you're from, uh, high school trial ball award, you know, any kind of background? For sure. So um, currently 21 years old. Um, like Matt said, from from Seattle, Washington, um, and I spent my whole childhood here, um, growing up, kind of Magnolia, Queen Anne area. Um, also, like Matt said, went to Lakeside School um, for for my high school experience from ninth through twelfth grade, um, and then from there was committed to go to play bit some baseball at UCLA, where I intended to major in uh, in physiological science. And then did not go to UCLA, like Matt said, um, now in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. And so now I'll currently split time between, uh, between Washington and Arizona, as well as our affiliates. Awesome. Uh, so got to ask you, you know, being from Washington, you know, big Seahawks fan. Um, are, you know, do you, do you like the Seahawks in on all that 12 man? <laughs> Of course, um, not too much to cheer for this year. So maybe maybe a Cardinals fan this year, but <laughs> growing up for sure. See, I was really exciting. 
<laughs> Uncle Pete? Yeah. Have you ever gotten that one before? I have. A couple times. Not not too often, but no. I just I joke that he's my uncle. <laughs> Spelled the same way, too. I see a lot of carols with uh, one R, one L, but... Yeah, I just I don't really uh, see a ton of carols, so... Um, yeah. You know, anyway, uh, what do you got on the Kraken? Are they more than just a logo? I I went to a game um, a couple weeks ago. My my high school coach he got some uh, like a shared like group tickets, um, and he he took me to a game. And I'd probably say that it was my favorite sporting event I've ever been to. Was that your first hockey game? It was. Yeah, dude, hockey's way different in person. Definitely. Um, just the speed of the game and everything going on, like it's nonstop action. But um, yeah. All right. I mean, uh, you know, this one's probably obvious for you, but I got to ask because I've been out to Seattle a couple times. Uh, beautiful city. You know, obviously, I've been out there in the summertime when you don't get it's like two months of not rain. Um, so everything's really blue and green, sunshine and all that. But I didn't know that Seattle was a city built on top of a city. Um, have you been to the underground city? Uh, I think, I think one time, um, I might've gone growing up, maybe like sixth or seventh grade. Um, they've got like these glass, um, kind of skylights that, you know, right now they look like they're on the ground, but then you get under underground and, and you look up and. Um, it's just kind of a cool connection walking through downtown Seattle and you're able to see that. Yeah. Um, when I was out in Seattle, the way that I kind of discovered it, it was walking on the sidewalk and there was like a, like a sewer drain or like a, a draining grate on the ground and walked over it and looked down and there were people down there. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> kind of freaked me out a little bit, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we, we can move on from the uh, the Seattle banter, but uh, before we really get going, I do want to say that Corbin has graciously offered to sign a handful of baseball cards that we will be randomly giving away to our audience. So later on in the session, we'll drop a link to a Google form in the outlier session chat on your left. Anyone who fills out the Google form will be eligible to win and winners will be contacted most likely tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. The form must be completed prior to the conclusion of the session tonight. Um, and transitioning a little bit, um, we want to talk a little bit about LTAD, um, long-term athlete development. Loden Sports is in the process of building out an LTAD. Our guide will be an inclusive, holistic, and philosophical reference for developing athletes of all sports, all levels of aspiration. In our eyes, everyone is an athlete. Yes, that even means the parents and the coaches um, that could be listening to this session. A select few will go on to be professional athletes like Corbin, but that doesn't mean that we can't all find enjoyment in sports in a number of different ways for the entirety of our time on this planet. Um, like many of us in here, including myself, obviously not a professional athlete, but there's still so many ways you can remain involved in sport beyond uh, playing the sport. So Let's bite off a key piece of one of the foundational elements of our LTAD, emotional well-being and the importance of gratefulness. Uh, there are little things we can do every day to bolster our emotional well-being. It's like a muscle needs to be trained. 
Um, so something that I do for myself and with a number of people in my life is think of three unique things every day that I'm grateful for. This is something you can do today with us and hopefully take a few minutes every day moving forward. So Corbin, um, spotlight on you. What are three things that you're grateful for today? I'm, I'm grateful for everyone taking the time to, to be here, um, listening and, and learning and hopefully um, being able to ask some, some questions and interact. Um, I'm grateful for being able to go see my, my grandparents next week. It's the first time I've seen them in a pretty long time with the whole uh, COVID deal. So that I'm, I'm really excited for that and grateful for that. And then lastly, I'm grateful for the challenges that I'm facing and will continue to face in the future. It's awesome. Um, I'll hit you with my three before we keep rolling. Uh, a heater that works, even though it sounds like a jet engine, gets the job done. Uh, power outlets and how they are strategically everywhere. Imagine if there was only one per room or per house. Uh, definitely something we don't really think about. And then three different design elements in houses and buildings. Just kind of imagine if everywhere you went, everything looked the same. Uh, that'd be no fun. So, um, yeah, three things you're grateful for. Um, and that's something, again, that you can do every day. Uh, it's something that we would encourage you know, you to do with a young athlete or for young athletes to start doing on their own. Um, another part of our LTAD that I want to introduce here is the idea of ignition. The concept was introduced to me through Matt Pierce a uh, close friend down in Houston, Texas, baseball coach. Uh, he introduced me to the book Talent Code by Daniel Coyle, which for anyone in this chat um, must read if you're into development. Uh, Loaded Sports looks at ignition as a key pillar to athlete development. So what is ignition? Ignition is what lights the fire for the developing athlete to want to participate in sports. Uh, what keeps that fire lit? Um, ignition happens in the subconscious through positive experiences in sports, and this is why the number one priority for a young athlete is to find enjoyment in sports. So uh, parents, teachers, and coaches are responsible for shaping the developmental environment. Corbin, uh, who could be one person, could be many in your life, help drive the interest in the sport of baseball for you? So I think that was really two things, kind of two avenues. I think it was, um, like you said, people, but then also um, definitely life events and kind of the combination of those two, um, I think really lit the fire. So on the, on the people side, I'd say definitely my parents, definitely my coaches, my teachers, and kind of the, the lessons of discipline that I learned in the classroom. I think that was something I needed. And then on the life events side of things, I'd say in terms of baseball, um, rejection, um, being told, being told that I wasn't good enough for certain things. I think that was a, a huge part of it. Um, was that on the baseball? Team? Also, yeah. Yeah. Um, in the, in the baseball sense, you know, you're not, the player we're looking for, um, just, I've always been very competitive and, um, you know, being told that I didn't stack up well versus, um, certain other, you know, players that, that definitely lit a fire in me. 
Um, so also on that kind of guy that, you know, you face a little adversity and, you know, you, you fight back, you don't quit. Definitely. Definitely. I, I think I welcome it. Um, that's something that was probably most taught to me um, by my mom is just, that's how you go about business is you don't, you don't let the event be the thing that defines you. You let your, your response to that event um, truly show your true colors. That's awesome. Um, who was the, the first person to put a baseball bat in young Corbin's hands? <sighs> Shoot. I, I don't know. Um, was it, was it a sport just, that was I, always on TV in your house growing up? Was it, yeah? You know, how, how did no. you kind of get into it? Just, just like any other kid, I think really, um, you know, I've heard, well, maybe not every kid, but, um, I've heard some people, you know, have these memories of, um, as a young kid going to the ballpark with their, their family or, or things like that. But for me, it was more just the, the T-ball route, you know, um, parents put me in T-ball, um, with all the other little Magnolia little leaguers out there. And, um, it just kind of spiraled from there. So do you think it could have been any other sport or was it always baseball? So like, did you grow up playing other sports or, um, was there any urge to kind of specialize in a, in another sport over baseball at any point, or was it just always you took to the game? So I definitely, I definitely played, um, a bunch of sports growing up. Um, soccer was another really big one for me. Um, cross country. I ran pretty competitively through, I think eighth grade. Um, and then tennis was in there. Um, I tried football my freshman year. Um, maybe not so much for the, the game aspect of it, but just to meet new people, um, going into a new school for, for high school. But I think, by about eighth grade, I'd realized that um, baseball was the path that I wanted to take. Um, my other main sport, like I said, soccer, um, up here in Washington, the the men's seasons are the same for um, high school soccer and baseball. And so at that point, you know, a decision had to be made, but it wasn't really much of a decision. I just, I, I knew in my mind that, um, baseball was the route I wanted to take and, and stick with. And, um, you know, I, I had a great time playing soccer. I have a lot of amazing experiences and, um, you know, lessons learned from soccer, but in the end it was, it was always baseball. Just before we move on here, do you, uh, do you still follow soccer? Do you watch professional soccer at all? Do you have a team favorite player or anything like that? No, I was always, I was always a big messy guy growing up, but, I don't really follow them much, which is kind of a shame because we've got some pretty good soccer uh, here in Seattle with the Sounders. Yeah, have you ever been to a, a game up there? Isn't that like one of the best environments in the country for soccer? Yeah, yeah, they uh, they draw a pretty good crowd. Um, they share the field with uh, the Seahawks down there at uh, Lumen Field now. Um, Quest Field growing up, and then CenturyLink, but Lumen Field. Um, so I, I think I went when it was still, no, I, I went when it was CenturyLink Field. Um, it, it was a great time. I want to make it out to uh, Phoenix as a team now. Uh, I think they're trying to 
become an MLS expansion team, the the Phoenix Rising. Um, those games look pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like the the last couple of times I was in the Phoenix area, I might have driven by that on the highway. Uh, it's yeah. kind of like a smaller park, isn't it? Yeah, right down by uh, by Tempe, kind of 101. Um, that off-ramp you take to get over to the Tempe area, um, headed south, it's, it's right around there, I think. Nice. Um, well, kind of on the, on the topic of, you know, when you first kind of committed to baseball, eighth grade, um, it kind of felt like, you know, that was the route you wanted to go. Let's talk about the college process a little bit. Um, when did you first start getting looks? Like you had mentioned, you know, at, at one point you had faced a little bit of rejection, um, and that kind of made you fight a little bit harder. You know, were you a, a smaller kid? Um, were schools on you right away? You know, how many schools were on you and kind of how did that whole process go? So my first look started coming in um, select ball. And I played with a, a pretty competitive team where uh, we had a, a bunch of players who um, were good at the time and, and also ended up, you know, playing at, at their plan a lot of them right now at uh, some division one schools. So um, the scouts were there, I'd say summer after eighth grade year, um, but not necessarily for me. Um, they started getting on some of those kids I played with um, that summer. Uh, but my more true college recruiting experience happened the summer after my um, my freshman year, and I, I know the rules are all different now. Um, I think kind of that might occur a little later for for a lot of kids, but um, yeah, that was that was my experience. I had you know offers from mostly Pac-12 schools, um, and then ended up choosing choosing UCLA. What kind of uh, jumped UCLA? Yeah, to get on you. Do, you. do you have any idea? What jumped them to get on me? Um, and like, how did you choose UCLA? You know, like, what was the process with UCLA specifically? Because you said there are other Pac-12 schools on you. Um, you know, obviously, yeah. UCLA doesn't really want to do much selling, but, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's see. UCLA was a little bit later um, than some of the other schools, um, they came out, I'd reached out to them, I believe, and, um, asked them to come watch me at some tournament, maybe, maybe in Arizona or, or California. Um, and they ended up coming there, um, watching a couple games and, and offering me there. And I kind of got lucky because at that point, I had already had a good idea of what I was looking for, um, just going through the the touring process, meeting coaches um, at some of the other schools that had recruited me a little bit earlier in the process. And so actually by the time that I uh, our tour was finished at UCLA that day, I, you know, kind of just looked at my parents and they looked at me and we just kind of smiled because we knew that was that was going to be the spot. Um, they had a really great mix of 
obviously the, the academic piece, the, the athletics and, um, a great location, obviously. Um, yeah, it gets you away from but, the rain. <laughs> yes, that was definitely something to consider. <laughs> <laughs> but probably the most, definitely the most important piece was uh, meeting Coach Savage and, and Coach Ward and, and the people aspect of it. Um, just some some really great people down there um, who you know, continue to, I think, push that program in the right direction. And I still, I still follow them pretty closely. Um, you know, I think they might be posed for a big year this year. They're, they're very young, but very talented. Yeah. It looked like they got a lot of guys on campus um, and the draft kind of spared them a little bit. So it should be really interesting to see what they do there with Cody Schreier. And looks like Matt McLean's younger brother is there now too. And obviously a lot of the returning guys. So, um, kind of looking back on it, uh, you know, we kind of touched on the college bit and obviously you were with a select program that, you know, did a good job of getting you in front of colleges. Um, but do you think, you know, your, your exposure to maybe the professional scouting community was a bit more limited being up in the Northwest? Um, yeah. Kind of your thoughts on that. So I don't really, I feel like that's a tough question for me just because I don't, totally have, you know, a comparison of this is what it's like playing in Texas or California or the Northeast, like wherever, um, just I've touched briefly on it with, you know, teammates now or, um, friends I've made along the way. But, um, in, in the end, they, I think the Northwest does have professionally the, uh, the same resources as, um, all the other regions. I mean, it's it's kind of broken down um, on the scouting side into regions, and each region has the the area scout, and then uh, a cross checker for you know for for Washington it'd be the West Coast cross checker, and then the national supervisor. Um, so just in that aspect, no. There, I, I don't think it's totally different from anywhere else in the country. Um, you know, if you, if you can play, they will find you. I know that's a saying that might be somewhat overused, but, um, you know, if you advocate for yourself and um, get your work done and on the field and then in the classroom, you uh, you can get your shot. Yeah, and as, as cliche as that is, um, I think it's, it's pretty spot on. I think it's getting harder and harder to hide if you can play, uh, regardless of what level you're, level you're playing at, whether it's high school or JUCO, or you're playing, you know, power five D one, or, you know, on the lower tier D one or D two or whatever it is. Um, exactly. Baseball's baseball's so connected and the further and further I get along in this baseball journey, the more I'm realizing how just it's, it's such a small world. Um, whatever coach you play for at, at whatever school, um, you know, they've got connections and, um, that network is, is super valuable for you because, um, it lets you, uh, have other advocates besides for just the work that you're doing yourself. Absolutely. So, um, I think it's kind of a natural segue, um, you know, talking about the scouting community, the college community. Um, I know we have, a couple of kids 
in this group with DC's group, uh, potentially parents listening, you know, they're a couple years away from it, but um, I do want to talk about how impactful that high school junior summer is for the aspiring baseball player. Um, and for anyone who isn't aware, that's kind of the big momentous summer. You know, a lot of those kids are already committed at that point, like Corbin was. Um, but for a lot of baseball players that have aspirations to potentially play at the highest level, um, getting noticed by the scouting community. Um, obviously, Corbin signed out of high school. That's something that you can do in baseball. Uh, was there any one single showcase or tournament that you think really put you on the map for the professional scouting community? So I got pretty lucky my, my junior summer. Um, I was on the road a lot and invited to many events. Um, and so I was kind of all over the place and I felt like I really had you know, as much exposure um, to professional scouting as, as anyone did. Um, and so I wouldn't necessarily say that there was a single event or tournament that, that put me on the map. I think it was just kind of going through that, that circuit, so to say, um, just building off one event to the next. Um, I think it just ultimately culminated in, um, you know, a, a scouting perspective of this guy can play, this guy can hit, this guy's, um, you know, plays with energy. Um, and then probably the, the cherry on top was probably playing for the, the USA national team and, and being able to go down to Panama and, and stack up against, you know, 20 of, um, our country's best in, in 2019, which, looking back on that was you know, a pretty good team and um, a really good team. Lots of successful pro professional players, um, yeah, college sure. players. Uh, not to cut you off or anything, but that team might go down as, you know, one of the best 18 new teams, at least in, in my memory, you know, Bobby Witt on there, Riley Green, CJ Abrams. Yeah, that team was pretty stacked. Jack Leiter. Um, yeah, I, I've got a little picture um, that we all signed at, at my house, and I was looking at it the other day, and it's like, first round, first round, first round, first round, um, top-end college player who's probably going to, you know, go next year, um, whatever the case is. But, it, you know, we've got plenty of su successful uh, people who took both routes, you know, whether it was signing out of high school like Bobby or going to Vanderbilt and, uh, and, and signing out of college like Jack Leiter. Um, I think it just, there's never one route. Um, I think that's important to, to keep in mind. So you kind of brought something up earlier uh, in regards to that question. You know, was there any one tournament or showcase that put you on the map for the professional scouting community? And, um, you know, you didn't really have an answer for it, which is interesting because the way you answered the question kind of opened up a different perspective for me. Um, because I know, and, and you're probably aware of this and you were probably aware of this as you were going through that entire summer, there are a lot of kids that are playing alongside you at every event that put a lot of stock in their PG ranking, their PBR ranking. They're paying attention to after each event, there's write-ups here, are the guys who stood out here, are the guys who didn't stand out. Um, you know, 
is that one of those things where like as those things were being written up and like maybe after an event that you did really well at, they're talking about you, you didn't pay any attention to that, you didn't even see it? Um, because I think that's kind of an important thing to bring up here um, because I think a lot of parents and a lot of players put a lot of stock in that. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on the player. Um, and that's kind of something I do that too. observing you, observing Bobby Witt, that's another tremendous example because he was at the top of the class coming in and he performed that whole summer. And, you know, you've seen it. There's another guy up in your area, your year, who after performing as an underclassman really struggled through that important junior summer. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? I'd say, I'd say my thoughts, um, kind of where my headspace was at was, um, I, you know, I'd see, I'd see that kind of those rankings and all that and the write-ups, I, I would see it, um, and I, I wouldn't try and block it out because I knew that I had um, a head on my shoulders to, to view it in the right way. And, um, but I think the big thing that I, I would kind of try to hammer home about this whole theme that you're talking about is that it's, it's really important to not focus on, on that stuff and on, on the, the scouts that are there. Um, and just try and try and view it through the light of, of getting better because as a high school kid, you know, a professional opportunity, it's either going to be there for you or it's not. And that just kind of plays out how it's going to play out. Like just the only thing that you can really do is, is try and get better and, um, focus on it in that light as I'm, I'm playing against, you know, the, some great competition if you're traveling if you're you know playing versus high level competition in your your home state um whatever it is just view it through that lens of of competition and um seeking to find you know the knowledge from your teammates from your coaches of of what helps them and um just try and get that that little one percent um every day that ultimately might uh, be what ends up getting you that shot yeah, I think that's really good insight. Um, just kind of staying within your own little bubble and not really, you know, overly concerning yourself about all of these other opinions that don't really matter. Because um, at the end of the day, like, even when it comes down to the to the pro community, you know, thirty clubs don't have to like you. It just needs to be one. Uh, if it's the college community, you know, not every school needs to offer you. Again, it just needs to be one that likes you, right? Um, and there's so much pressure on. You know, these kids, especially, you know, when they're in high school, um, you know, to get in front of the professional scouting community and, you know, the, the guy that's from your area, he ended up going to school um, and he's going to find his way back into the first round, you know, and instead of all the pressure being on him in that junior summer, he was able to kind of get away from that and, and kind of get back on track. And we've seen it time and time again, you know, one of the guys that you played with down in Panama as an underclassman, he made that USA team and then he didn't make it the next summer. Um, and now he's one of the best players in college baseball. So um, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, you know, in regards to just staying within yourself and, you know, trying to get 1% better each day and, and taking it for what it is. Um, so at last question here, kind of on the showcase tournament, you know, front is, 
you know, if you had to do it all again, um, with how densely packed that elite high school showcase circuit is, you know, would you add or subtract any events from your junior high school summer? Um, just kind of imagine that you're giving advice to a high school kid approaching their junior summer right now. Yeah. So maybe I should just say this because they don't have, I'm sure they don't know, you know, all the events I was at or, uh, what teams I was playing with. Um, so I played that junior summer with my, um, home state select team that I'd played with growing up. Um, you know, I'd made a commitment to them and, um, had some good friends on that team that I wanted to, to spend that summer playing with. So I played with them. I played with a, a national travel ball group. Um, those called the Canes, Canes baseball. Um, and then, so that was two select teams that I was playing with. And then kind of the event side of things, um, was a lot of USA baseball stuff. It was a lot of, um, I ended up playing well enough at some of these events that I got invited to some high school All-American stuff. Um, and so it added up where, you know, I wasn't home probably more than two, two weeks that summer. Um, That's crazy. just, just, yeah. And, um, oh, something that just kind of popped in my head about that was, um, I'd forgotten about this, but, um, that creating that schedule that summer was intentional. Um, it was with the goal of, you know, if you can't, if you can't play, you know, a summer of baseball and feel really happy about it. And, um, regardless of the results, you know, if you still have that drive after, you know, that, that full summer of this is something I'd want to do, then you're probably in a better position to say, okay, I, I'm pretty confident that um, pro ball is something that, that can be for me. Was that because not all players are you had with your parents, like ahead of that? Yeah. Just kind of like sitting down and being like, all right, look, we're going to put it to the test. Like, you know, both mentally and physically, like, am I going to be able to hold up over the course of? Yeah. Because it's, it's that was my, my mom. Yeah. What you went through is. It's a lot. It, it is. Um, yeah, that was mostly a conversation probably with my uh, my mom. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it, at the end of the summer, though, I'll say it didn't, it didn't feel like a dragging long summer of, you know, dragging my feet from this event to the, the next. I felt like I played with just as much energy in, in the last event that I was at compared to the first. Um, I was happy to be there. I was really excited about all the new uh, relationships that I had made, um, teammates that I'd been able to play with. And um, it just kind of, everything kept stacking on top of each other to the point where after that summer, I could, you know, look myself in the mirror and say, um, you know, I think that, I think that pro ball is something that, if it's in my cards on the, on the scouting side of things, um, you know, I, I think I could look myself in the mirror and say that I'm, I've prepared as well as I can for this. Yeah. And uh, shout out to your mom and, and your entire support group back home uh, for obviously, you know, as much as it was for you flying all over the place, playing in all those tournaments and, 
and having the pressure of, you know, being in front of the scouting community and all the rest, like there's a lot of pressure on them too. You know, obviously I'm, I'm assuming she probably has other things she could be doing in her day to day. She doesn't have summer break. So, uh, shout out to all the for parents sure. out there that yeah, that's make that sacrifice for their kids. Absolutely. I think that's something that, um, can get overlooked and, um, I've got, you know, one of the, the best support systems that you can have, um, I've just got such a great grip around me um, that support me in all aspects that um, that for sure contributes to things. Um, and then, you know, the, the financial commitment aspect of, of things as well, like that that's an expensive summer traveling all over the country playing baseball. And um, I don't know. I don't think that it's not totally necessary um, for, for every player. Um, it just, it depends on your situation. It depends on all sorts of things. It depends on the experiences that you want to have, um, you know, outside of baseball, um, all sorts of different things to consider. It's definitely not the only way. For sure. So let's, uh, let's jump out of, out of high school here. And, and now you're in pro ball. It's the present. Uh, you spent the entire 2020 summer at the alt site, beating up on your own guys. Uh, we all read about it. Uh, you know, if you haven't read about it, you can go read about it on the internet. Corbin Carroll lit up the alt site. Uh, you injure your shoulder a couple of weeks into the 2021 minor league season on, of all things, a massive home run swing. That's another one that for people who haven't seen that, you should check that out. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever seen you hit a ball that far. There, there's so much to dig into here. Um, and, and something you touched on before, and I'm really intrigued to hear how you answer this one, but adversity is a part of every journey. We all acknowledge that, but in the moment, sometimes it does feel a lot heavier when it strikes. And that being said, emotionally, how did you handle finding out that you were going to be on the shelf for the entire rest of the calendar year? So the first thing was definitely just feeling of what like when I walked in the doctor's office and um you know they, they took me out of the exam room I was in um I'd done an MRI the, the day before and they brought me over to go check out those pictures and you know it was an MRI of a shoulder I don't know if you've ever seen it but I had I had no idea what I was looking at and <laughs> he starts pointing around Dr. Waz was is his name. Um, Dr. Waz starts pointing around at all these different spots. Um, I'm like, okay, okay. And then he points to uh, one certain spot on the, uh, on, on the shoulder and the um, Diamondback, Diamondbacks medical staff um, that I was with, he just goes, ooh. And it it, something was just not where it was supposed to be, like not even remotely close. And so at that point, um, Dr. Wise told me like, you know, look, you're looking at surgery. You're looking at, you know, X, X amount of months. And that was just completely different from the headspace I was coming from. Um, I wasn't in too much pain. Um, you know, I tested it out a little bit and it felt pretty good. Um, just moving it around. Um, I just assumed it, honestly, if anything, it was just a little bit of inflammation. It was a little bit cranky. 
my shoulder. Um, and that, you know, I'd be back out in the field in a week. That was where my head was at. Um, so it was a very quick turnaround of realizing I was going to lose that full year. Um, but I will say that there wasn't a lot of self pity. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't too upset. I wasn't too sad about it. Um, I, I think a big, um, thing that I'd attribute to that is just, I knew I'd taken care of business, um, to stay healthy and, and be out there. Um, I'd put in the effort, um, throughout the whole off season, um, not only with my work, but, um, you know, researching, finding the right people, um, making the right connections to, to be doing the right work and, um, be working the right things, you know, um, I hit, so my, my surgery was on my, my labrum and capsule and, um, you know, most, a lot of my lifting program is, is centered around, um, you know, shoulder health and, and, and scapular mobility and, and health and strength. Um, so I felt like I'd taken care of what I needed to take care of. And that really allowed me to stay out of the past, stay out of pity, self, uh, self pity and just, just live in the present. Um, and think of all the things that I could do to be better. Yeah. So that was, sorry. No, go ahead. So that was great. I mean, I think coming into that mindset within probably the first two days of, of hearing the news, um, really allowed me to use this, this time to rehabbing to, not only get myself back to where I was, but with the goal of, of bettering myself beyond that, um, you know, that, that intent was super important to not just meet the bar, but, um, try and shatter through it. So that was a variety of different things for me. That was, you know, looking into, um, wearables, wearable technology, um, sleep tracking, food tracking, nutrition, blood testing, blue light, um, blue light, looking into blue light stuff, um, eye training, VR tech, pitch tracking, um, creating my own lifting plans and even using some, um, analysis methods that I'd, um, I've been learning in some of my statistics classes, um, statistics classes and, um, analyzing my own, um, hitting in the, hitting analysis that now spans about probably 15 or 20 pages and, you know, a bunch of just kind of messy Excel files that I've just been able to, um, have fun with. Which you still have to send me by the way, but you know, before we take a step forward, there's just so much to unpack in there. Um, and I really want to just highlight it, you know, just, you know, one, one of the, the key elements to what you said was, you know, there wasn't much self-pity and really weren't that bummed out about it and all that. And and really what I think that comes down to, um, honestly, to a certain level, it's, you know, stoicism, keeping a level head. But, you know, it, it's a, a really valuable lesson for anyone who's listening to this is just, you know, most things in life are out of your control. Um, and in that case, you know, what happened to you, like that's completely out of your control. You know, it was, it was a home run swing, you know? Um, 
And, you know, when something's out of your control, this is kind of the second part that I really want to highlight. And it's everything you just described is the adaptability. It's like, okay, I can't get my next at bat and I can't get my next at bat until the next calendar year. Like, what are all of the things I can start doing tomorrow that can kind of keep the ball moving in a, in a completely different way? And I think those are the, the level-headedness when things strike and, and kind of accepting that things are out of your control and then immediately adapting to whatever your situation is. I think those are transformational, you know, and, and they translate in, in all kinds of different parts of life. So um, really good stuff there. Uh, I, I do kind of want to, I know you, you kind of tapped into the, you know, sleep tracking and, and the wearables. On, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but um, you finished up your semester this morning. I know you talked about uh, being in school and, and that's something that I kind of want to, you know, fill in a little bit more on for the people that are in the room and the people that may be listening. Uh, what's it like being a professional baseball player and a full-time student at Arizona State, which Arizona is obviously where you relocated to uh, for this year. So just kind of talk about that a little bit. You know, obviously that was one of the things you filled your time with this year. Right. And uh, I kind of lied. I'm finishing up my uh, semester today and tomorrow. So I got a, got a little uh, exam to take after this, which would be fun. But um, I think. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, in terms of, you know, it's, it's a lot to have on your plate, professional baseball, um, full-time student. Um, and I, I guess the lesson that I hope that I can convey is that, you know, you don't have to, if, if you look at it, everything in, in total, it may see, seem daunting um, to some people to, to have that much on your plate. Um, and there, you know, there's a few more things on my plate that, um, on top of that, but it's not, it's not about that totality. It's about doing a little bit more than you did yesterday in order to build, um, build something special. And so I was really glad I was able to do that this semester, um, this year, um, is, you know, I think a lot of people in a rehab setting can lose, um, maybe some of that drive just with the picture of, of baseball being so far, um, out of the picture. Um, so, but being able to work to build that, that work capacity this year, um, that's something that I, I really benefited from and, um, you know, my schedule kind of what it looked like was, um, it was rehab in, in the morning. I'd leave, leave the house about eight. I'd probably get back two thirty or three, go back to the house, uh, excuse me, and, and be a full-time student. Um, you know, get all, get all my work done. I'd leave for the, um, the stadium at about at six, um, our, our major league stadium, I forgot, sorry, I forgot to mention that I um, spent a lot of time uh, with our scouting department and analytics department. So, um, you know, after I was done with my homework, I'd, I'd leave for the Major League Stadium every day at about six and go, you know, watch most of the game and then get home about 1030. Um, 
So it was just a lot to balance. All that, well, um, you know, I mentioned that one of my big focuses this um, during this time was nutrition. So managing all that, well, you know, six to seven meals a day, it's, uh, it's a lot to get in and it takes some, um, some extra effort. So, um, you know, managing all that on top of the eating habits, on top of the sleep, uh, maintaining other relationships within baseball, outside of baseball. Um, it took, it took discipline and I definitely wasn't perfect. You know, every day wasn't, you know, a a perfect day to, so to speak, I didn't hit all the check boxes I want to hit, but in the end I was, I was better for it. Yeah. My head's spinning from the amount of things that you got into a single day. Um, and obviously, you know, it's a conversation we've had in the past in regards to taking care of your body and you were able to still get eight hours of sleep on top of all that every night for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Probably, probably eight on the dot. That's, that's, uh, that's impressive. Um, especially for, you know, a 21 year old, uh, especially when, you know, you probably look around and, and you don't see too many 21 year old baseball players doing what you did this year. So, yeah, obviously commend you for it. Uh, the discipline, you know, obviously there's, there's so much to take away from that, but, um, over and above all, something that all of us can do, uh, and kind of learn from that is, is live as deliberately as possible every single day. I mean, you talk about like doing everything that you did and then you kind of talked about the food element, you know, preparing meals specifically. And again, something we've talked about in the past, and I I do kind of want you to get into it. Not, not too deep because, you know, obviously it's it's pretty scientific in nature, but, um, you know, kind of like coming up with that ideal diet, um, putting the right foods in your body or the foods that, you know, some of the misconceptions you've had about other foods, but the foods that are right for Corbin. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think we can all speak to it, you know, whether, you know, it's my time with USA baseball, uh, coaches, you know, players, you know, you think about that junior summer where you're constantly on the road. It's so easy to just roll into the closest fast food spot. And sometimes it's at 10, 10 30 at night and you know, you need to eat and you're not putting the right food in your body. So for you to be so deliberate about, you know, schoolwork and rehab and getting to the ballpark and maintaining your relationships and getting your eight hours of sleep and on top of all of that being deliberate about the food you're putting in your body, um, yeah, that's, that's just another level for me. So I, I'm just going to, you know, go ahead and kind of segue right into that. You know, just yeah. talking about. And l- let me just finish off. Let me just finish off too, by saying that, like, I'm not saying all this about, you know, discipline and, and routine to say, you know, look at me, look at all I was able to accomplish. It's, it's more to say, you know, I was, I was able to build up to that. You know, if you'd asked me to do that a year ago, two years ago, no way I was handling all that. And so I just wanted to really make sure that, um, you know, everyone on here who's saying, Oh, that sounds a little daunting or maybe even, Oh, that's it. That's all he was doing. Um, it's, it's all relative to you. Um, it's, it's all about, you know, where you are now and, um, you know, where you want to be and, and just pushing yourself a, a little extra each day to, um, you know, incorporate something else, um, learn a little something that, um, you know, you can put into your routine. That's going to just take you that, that one step further of, of being able to handle more and more things. Um, and then, 
you were saying on the food side, did you have like a specific question or just was it more general what I what I did with that? Yeah, I mean, let's just like anecdotally talk about it. I know we've talked about it in mm-hmm. the past and like you're, you're very strict about your diet. Um, you know, obviously we had dinner a couple of years ago. We went to a restaurant. Glenn was eating without his thumbs. That's a completely different challenge. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're yeah, that was it's like, you know, you go to a spot and it's like, all right, like I'm not going to have dessert. It's like, well, Corbin, like you're the kind of guy, you know, in a peer pressure situation, but like, Corbin, you're the kind of guy that like you can have as much dessert as you want. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, talking about optimizing your diet, like I know that's something you've looked at extensively. It matters to you. Give us kind of the high level overview of what you did to identify what was best for your body. And again, kind of talking about the misconceptions that you might have mm-hmm. on certain foods relative to your body specifically. Because I think this is an area that a lot of people don't know about. And I think it's an area that's slowly getting more attention. Definitely. So you hit on something very quickly that I feel like is, is super important. And so I just want to throw this in before, and then I'll talk about um, the food side of things. But just that, that peer pressure, um, you, you know, you, you threw that word in there and, um, I just, that's, that's definitely never been me. Um, I've always been okay with at the end of the day, you know, I'd, I'm sure I'd rather be doing something with my friends, but if, if they're not doing something, if they're out doing something else, like I'm always okay being the, the lone wolf and, and getting my work done. Um, by myself. I think that's, that's super important um, to make sure that you have that, that motivation coming from, you know, the internal place and and being okay with putting the same level of work in um, when nobody's watching. um, And when, you know, all the lights are on and you're getting commended for it. Um, So I just want to throw that in there. But so, yeah, on the food side of things, um, what it's taken me to this year um, in, in 2021 was um, the blood testing side of things um, and using that to become a little bit more specific in um, understanding my body and what I react well to. Um, I've always ate pretty healthy. You know, my family, I got lucky. They, um, both my mom and dad cook and um, they eat very healthy as well. And so it was always healthy food was always something I was around. Um, and, and then, you know, from a performance standpoint, um, I always, I'm someone who needs to be doing everything in his control, um, to be able to feel like I have the most, the utmost confidence when I'm on the field. And so if I'm, you know, throwing a, you know, whatever a McDonald's burger in after, um, a game, I, I wake up the next morning and I just, I think about it and I probably even obsess over it. And so it's just been something that I've always wanted to focus on is, is making those right choices. Um, because I think confidence is the most important thing that you can have on the baseball field. And that's what, um, a lot of what leads me to mind is that, that my preparation process and then, um, just everything that I've controlled, making sure that I, I've done that to the best of my ability. It's and really so, is no stone unturned when it comes to optimizing Corbin Carroll. That's pretty yeah. much what we're getting here, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm sure next year I'm going to have something that I have 
not even the slightest clue of today, but just, yeah, just always looking for, um, you know, a way that I can improve myself. Um, so yeah, I'll just get into that blood testing stuff real quick. Um, cause that was the big thing this year was there were certain foods that I thought, um, you know, I was being healthy. Um, you know, eggs were a big source of protein for me. And so I did some, some blood testing, um, it basically measured antibody response against different food types um, with the idea being that if you have a high antibody count to any certain type of food, um, it means that your gut's not breaking it down as, as well as it should be and, and utilizing those, those proteins and those good, uh, good healthy nutrients in the way that they should be and that, that it's having to create um, antibodies to um, break these food types down, um, just for your body to be able to deal with it. And so, you know, before I'd done this testing, I was probably eating four, four to six eggs a day. Right. Uh, that's sort of the source of, of protein, um, easy, um, not the most expensive. Um, so it was just, you know, in my mind, I'm like, great, I'm doing something great for my body. And then I get this blood testing back and I'm like, Oh, that's not so great for my body. Um, my body's having to create these antibodies, um, taking away, uh, you know, necessary um, kind of ingredients to form some of the other um, responses in your body that you know promote healing, reduce inflammation. Um, just to focus on breaking down these um, different food types that I was eating, and so. Realizing that, um, and then kind of on, on top of it, um, you know, I think I'm getting X amount of protein per day from eggs and I'm, I'm throwing that in my calculations of, you know, how much I want to be getting in per day. Well, you know, my body's not totally digesting it. So, um, that really true protein number is actually going to be a lot lower, um, so just all these different things. I mean, I learned so much from doing that. And, um, you know, that was my big discovery probably from this year. Um, and I'm, I'm not done with it. I'm going to keep going um, next year and, and see where my new body's needs and reactions are at. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool to dig into this year. So it's safe to say that when people talk about sports science, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that they're really talking about. And you don't really get a whole lot of that, um, you know, in the media. There aren't really a ton of good resources for, you know, a high school athlete or college athlete or professional athlete um, to openly see all of this. You kind of have to go seek that information for yourself. So, I mean, just hearing about all that, it's, yeah, I had a similar experience a couple of years ago. Uh, probably a year and a half back now where, you know, I had, it had come back through some testing that, you know, I had some allergies to some foods that I was putting in my body regularly. And, you know, one of them was, you know, citrus, like oranges. I was eating oranges every single day. I'm like, oh yeah, oranges are good for me, vitamin C, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I was getting that inflammation um, similar to what you were talking about and kind of had to find different sorts of vitamin C. So, um, that's a completely different level, um, without, you know, kind of, kind of putting all that super microscopic level 
food talk. Um, do you have a favorite food to make um, when you're at home? And obviously you talked about like you grew up in a house where your parents were making meals. And when did you start getting involved in kind of the meal prep? Did they kind of loop you in that, teach you anything as you were growing up? I'm kind of curious because I think that that plays a huge role in food habits as you grow up, how early you were exposed to kind of preparing your own food. So I make, I make a decent amount of food growing up. Um, you know, I, I definitely learned it all um, from my parents. But what that's taking me to now is just knowing some of the basics. Um, you know, I, I don't really, you know, I'll have a four month stretch where I won't eat out. Like I'll just I'll get groceries. I'll cook every day. Um, and just, it's great. I mean, I get really healthy, nutritious food. I get to control exactly, um, what's going into my body. Um, and yeah, so from my parents, um, and what else? Do you have a favorite food to make? Oh yeah. Uh, I like, I love seafood. Um, was always looking for some good, uh, salmon or, um, shrimp, scallops, all that type of stuff. Um, yeah. So you grew up in the Pacific Northwest. You have access to any food, seafood that you want, because obviously, you know, right on the coast and then now you're living in Arizona. Has it been difficult to reach the same level of seafood? you know, either in your kitchen or have you been able to find any of that, you know, out and about? So it's, yeah, it's not, it's probably not as quality um, as Seattle. Very fortunate. Um, you know, like you said, to have a very good sushi culture, very good seafood culture in Seattle. But, um, you know, I'll go to the grocery store in Arizona and, um, you know, look for some wild caught fish, um, there's, I, I think wherever you are in the country, there'll be, um, like frozen wild caught scallops or frozen wild caught, uh, shrimp. Um, there, there's definitely options. Awesome. Well, I I know that we're at just about an hour now. Um, and we do have a handful of people in here that are probably itching to ask some questions. Um, I'm going to hit you with one or two more things here and we'll probably transition to that second part of the session here in the next 10 minutes. But, um, I want to go back to, you know, you being a full-time student, you're finishing up your semester, uh, this week, I know you have a favorite class and it ties directly into one of the foundational elements of our LTAD. And we talked about some of the stuff earlier. Um, and I think it really interweaves with a lot of the different things you talked about. Um, and kind of who you are as a person. So I'm going to open up the floor for you to teach us a little something from your philosophy of happiness class. Um, and just everyone, please check the outlier session chat. I'm going to upload uh, or DC might upload right now to the outlier session chat. Uh, a little something that Corbin put together for all of you to kind of reference as he uh, teaches you a little something about the philosophy of happiness. Right. So... Yeah, when me, you and me, Matt, um, had that that dinner in Arizona a few, probably a couple months ago at this point, um, I remember, yeah, we talked about the philosophy of happiness class, and um, it was just such an interesting 
topic to me that stood out, you know, looking through all the different classes that I take and it wasn't necessarily tied to my major, but I just thought, you know, there could be some, some pretty interesting perspectives to, to kind of tune into. Um, I'd say probably my biggest takeaway from um, the whole semester, um, it was very traditional in the way of, it was kind of, it was studying like the, the stoic thoughts. Um, but it really reinforced the, uh, the important values of, of virtue, of reason, and of, of action. And then probably my biggest takeaway was, was realizing that everything that you need to be happy, you have right now. Um, because I think that's a lot of people can do, um, you know, some searching, um, whether it's outside of themselves, um, in terms of, of people, of experiences, but just realizing that, that, um, it truly is an internal thing and that, you know, look in yourself and, and realizing what are those things that um, lead to that happiness for you. Um, I think it's just an important reminder. And then, yeah. So on that, I don't know exactly where it is, Matt, the, uh, it should be on your left. It should be on the right. outlier session chat. Okay. Hopefully this doesn't boot me. Yeah, it should be good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I see that now. Um, but, yeah, that was just kind of a list of some of those quotes that really, uh, really stuck with me that I think were applicable to, to some of the stuff that we we're um, talking about today. Um, so, yeah, it's short and sweet, but um, those were probably, you know, I did a lot of reading, um, different philosophers um, from, you know, the Buddha to... Um, like some of the Stoics that I was talking about. Um, and yeah, that was just all sorts of good little tidbits in there. Um, you know, I think that not everyone's going to have the same takeaway from it that, that I had. That's part of it, right? Is it's, how does it fit into what you, how you personally think and operate and um, kind of what sticks for you. So that was what stuck for me. Yeah. I think, you know, I appreciate you obviously putting that together and it goes back to, you know, what we talked about earlier on, we were talking about gratefulness and how it's it's a muscle that needs to be trained on a daily basis. Um, you know, obviously, for anyone who downloads that PDF and has access to what Corbin's put together, um, you know, these are just ways that you can start to you know pin that up somewhere. Um, you know, read it, you know, from time to time, and just start getting positive things in your aura on a day-to-day -day basis. Cause I think a lot of who we are is really just what we surround ourselves with type of information we surround ourselves with and, and kind of the energy that people in our lives bring to us. You know, if you're always talking about, you know, and we're all guilty of it to an extent, like you're talking behind someone's back about something or you're criticizing something or you're watching the news or whatever. And, and, there's so many different ways where you can easily get carried away with all of these negative ideas and you're putting them out, but it's, it's really about kind of not doing that and really focusing on positive things and talking more positively about things and trying to avoid the negativity. Um, and I know that sounds really cliche, but you know, to the point of Corbin's class, 
philosophy of happiness. A lot of it is just, you know, minding your own business <laughs> um, and, you know, not being overly influenced by what everyone else is doing. And I think that all of that combined just does a really good job of kind of representing what you're all about. Um, and that's just, you know, you kind of do your own thing and, um, you know, you're pretty focused and, and you're not overly concerned about the opinions of other people and what other people are doing. So, um, you know, I, I think I want to wrap up, you know, our, our structured Q and a with, um, you know, maybe just something small that you'd recommend that kids can do to start forming good habits as they get older. Uh, I know you mentioned it earlier, you know, everything that you're doing and everything that you explained that you did this year, uh, it was a lot, it was rigorous, um, but it was, you built up to that, right? So for the kids, whether they be 12, 13 years old in high school, whatever that is, it's never too late to start. What, what's something that you can start with that's small uh, that you'd recommend to start forming those good habits uh, moving forward? For sure. So I think what I've discovered is that to have that, what you were talking about, to to the highest extent, to have that truly special effort, it, it really starts with um, and really comes down to um, finding what you love. And from that, um, I think it's a little bit easier to create the, the self-motivation, that internal drive to um, really do something special with whatever it is. I mean, it doesn't have to be baseball. Um, I'd say another thing that really helps with good, forming good habits is is making sure that you're not relying on those external factors, um, just because it's not it's not sustain, sustainable. Um, whether it's external validation, whether it's fitting into a group, whatever it is, just finding a way for that that reason, you know, your why. I think we hear about. Um, that a lot, like what's your why, um, finding a way for your why to come from, um, a place of selflessness. Um, I think that's really important in creating those good habits. The group you are around definitely, I mean, no matter how hard you try though, it is, it is important. Um, so just making sure that you're around people that um, do push you in the right way. Um, that's all, that's always better. Um, and then lastly, like I was saying before, just being okay, being a lone wolf, doing what it is that you think's right. Um, making those decisions for yourself. Um, I think that's, that's really important. Well, we certainly appreciate you sharing all your perspectives on everything. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, you're a great thinker, uh, a great human being and uh, an example for a lot of different kids out there, um, again, of all ages and not just an example for kids, but an example for anybody who might be listening to this. Um, so, you know, obviously appreciate you coming on. You know, there's so much more that we can talk about. You know, maybe we revisit in 2022 Outlier Session Round 2 with Corbin Carroll. Um, yeah, obviously this was our first one, so hopefully we didn't we didn't mess it up too bad. We didn't put anybody to sleep. But uh, last thing before we transition, and and just a quick one, if if you feel comfortable, 
Um, is everything on track for a return to action for spring training 2022? Because we're dying to see you back on field. So I'm going to refrain from answering that because I don't know when spring 2022 is going to be. <laughs> you know, um, at least uh, I, I'm on pretty good track to be uh, to be pretty good to go um, when whenever that is next year. Um, you know, I think. I, I just started swinging again. Pretty excited. Um, so I'm, I'm getting there. Well, in typical Corbin Carroll fashion, it's it's one day at a time and, and not getting too far out in front of themselves.